we we're doing this for a reason. So it's not just a bike ride that uh, that we're we're just going on for fun. So everyone has a reason why uh, they joined. So uh, some people wanted to join because uh, their father passed away from cancer, for example. So they wanted to dedicate this for them, and ev- everyone shares those reasons kind of during the ride dedication. So uh, so because we're doing it for for people, for family, and there's a purpose behind why we're doing it. Uh, it's not kind of a thing people are doing just for them. Uh, one ride dedication becomes everyone's ride dedication. That was Rita Neme, co-founder of Steer North, a non-for-profit that organizes epic bike rides across Australia to promote awareness around health. My name is Regan Quick, and this is Lantern, a podcast about young people trying to change the world and trying to understand what that actually means. And when I first heard about Reader and her organization from Asanga, I was extremely excited to jump on board in the interview and find out more about the amazing work that Reader has done. Now, I do have to admit that riding a bike from Melbourne to Cairns sounds completely insane and not something that I think I could do personally. It was still amazing to see that Steer North managed to actually pull it off and inspire communities to live healthy lifestyles along the way. Something that I think is truly a testament to the hard work of Reader and everyone else at Steer North. And beyond her work on Steer North, it was also extremely insightful to speak with Rita about some of her other projects that she's been working on. Namely, her work on Wildlife for the Foundation for Young Australians was quite interesting. And finally, the advice that Rita provided in her interview was extremely insightful, and I think it's quite valuable for anyone who wants to start an organisation, be that a non-for-profit or not. We hope you enjoy all that Rita had to say. My name is Rita Name. Uh, I am the co-founder and executive director of a not-for-profit called Steer North. I also work with the Foundation for Young Australians on a few projects. And um, my passion is, I guess one passion led to multiple passions, but I'm very passionate about health and health equity. Um, about uh, physical activity and uh, the power it has to uh, kind of empower people and bring the best out of them. And I'm also passionate about education and um, especially entrepreneurship education. So these are kind of uh, the areas in which I'm, um, I'm involved in and, and the ones I'm passionate about at the moment. Yeah. Fantastic. And I think a good spot that we want to start off with sort of reflect during your university time. So. Yeah. Um, I guess back in uni, did you we did you know you had these passions back then, or were they sort of something you developed a bit later on in your time? Yeah, um, like I mentioned like earlier, uh, it seemed like one passion that I had led me to do something, so to start Steer North, uh, the not for profit uh, that I founded two years ago, and then from there I got exposed to other topics, to other areas, and developed more passions. Uh, then. Uh, so at university, I actually um, did my undergraduate degree in uh, Lebanon, which is where I'm from mm-hmm. originally, and uh, then I did my master's degree in uh, the US. And uh, over there, I got exposed to um, an organization that did like a big bike ride to raise funds and awareness for cancer. So I signed up for that first month in the US and um, and kind of got on this 70-day bike ride across North America from Texas to Alaska uh, to raise funds and awareness for cancer. And it was through that, I think, that uh, I started kind of reflecting more on my passions, uh, seeing what um, I want to do with my life, how I want to spend my time, um, what, what I want to be Kind of involved in so I guess this ride kind of sparked um, my passion for for health and uh, and physical activity and then uh, from there I started steer north and got exposed to the whole kind of area of social entrepreneurship um, and education and got really really passionate about these as well and saw the impact and the change that uh, social entrepreneurship can make so uh, develop the passion for that afterwards yeah and I feel like passion is not kind of something that you find mm. and then you kind of plan your life around it and that's it it's it's like an evolving thing so um, it changes and you get exposed to more things and then you care about 
so many different things uh, and then exposed to something else that you didn't even know uh, existed and then you, you're passionate about that. So it's not like something that you like suddenly find and yeah, and then you like, yeah, <laughs> and then you like plan your life around. So, yeah. so for me, and I'm sure I'll have more passions as, as, times go, as time goes by and as like, I learn about more things and get exposed to, to more things as well. Yeah. Cool. And just a quick question, because you mentioned that, um, so you moved from Lebanon to the US to do yeah. sort of like masters. How was that transition? Did you find it, was it easy? Was it a struggle? Or the... mm, it was actually, no, not a struggle at all. It was actually pretty, pretty easy in terms of, uh, well, l let me start by, by saying how I went to the US. So um, being an international student there was uh, like very expensive. Yeah. So there was no way I could go there um, and not... Uh, and not pay, pay for it. So I, there was no way I could go if it wasn't for a scholarship or uh, some financial aid. So I put all my effort and to apply for scholarships and kind of make sure I, I do my master's abroad to get more opportunities um, to be exposed to, to the world, basically, because um, there's not many opportunities available in Lebanon. So I really, like, that was my goal then, to just, like, go out of... Uh, Lebanon be exposed to more things. So I worked so hard to uh, get that scholarship. Mm -hmm. And once I made it there, it was, my mindset was all about making the most out of it. So um, whenever there was a small challenge, I would just try to uh, get over it quickly or uh, kind of find a solution to that. But I found the transition pretty easy because I really wanted to be there. Yeah, so it was something I had worked so hard for and kind of wanted so bad so being there I couldn't like not just make the most out of it so I didn't kind of um yeah I didn't encounter a lot of challenges or like major ones let's yeah, say yeah. There, there's definitely like small things here and there yeah. but in terms of transition it was it was pretty nice yeah oh, fantastic it's always good to hear yeah um yeah and of course you already mentioned steer north but I think yeah. before we jump on that I just want to sort of discuss a little bit more your work with um FYA sure. and sort of YLab so if you yeah. just give a brief run through for everyone at home mm -hmm. uh, listening what both these organizations are and what they do and how the programs work yeah so uh, FYA is the foundation for young Australians uh, and they are an organization that um, backs uh, young people or the next generation of young people who are going to shape the world we live in and uh, contribute positively to uh, making a better future for everyone. So they have different programs uh, that support uh, young people in different parts of their lives. And uh, I first got involved uh, with them through um, an incubator program that they have called Young Social Pioneers. So I applied for that um, as part of Steer North. So I applied my initiative being Steer North and got into that program, which was really um, which was, I think, the biggest push in the Sierra North journey. Um, and from there, met everyone at FIA and became part of that uh, FIA community. And, um, and one thing led to another. So then after that, I became involved um, with YLab, which is a social enterprise under FIA. And I became a YLab associate. Um, and as YLab associates, we kind of consult on projects with governments, um, not-for-profits, other institutions, and the projects are mostly related to the future of cities, future of work, um, and the future of democracy. So uh, we, we consult and deliver projects around, uh, around that. And just recently, I, uh, I'm project managing um, an accelerator program that they have called Innovation Nation. So I just got involved with that about a week ago, and I'm super, super excited about that. So, so that's kind of how I, how I got involved with FYA, and I think they've been like a really big support for me personally and for Sierra North as well. Can you ask a little bit more about that project you were about to start on, the Innovation Nation, or was it a little bit classified? Sure. Oh, no, no, no. It's, um, so it's an incubator accelerator program for young people who have uh, ideas about um, making, that, that will create positive impact in their communities. Mm -hmm. And um, the program takes them through like a three months of um, coaching. Um, the, the, the program provides resources, online resources for them, and a micro grant of 
$1,000 to kind of kick off their idea and their project. So that's kind of in brief what the program offers. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, they get paired with coaches and mentors uh, to help them through, uh, through the journey. Yeah. And I guess with your work with Wildlife, is that all volunteer or is that um, sort of like how's it like being an associate consultant work with that? Yeah, it's a, it's a paid position actually. Oh, and yeah. what Wildlab is doing is recruiting uh, young people mm -hmm. and bringing them into the conversation um, in, in those projects that are related to uh, work, democracy and cities. Mm -hmm. So uh, so paying young people for um, for their work and getting them involved in uh, in different projects so yeah it's and i think this is something like one of the things that they're um uh, like one of the main aspects of Lab is that young people are are paid for for the work that they contribute to so yeah i guess because as soon as you hear that now you always think maybe it would just be a complete volunteer position yeah. so it's interesting how they've kind of spin that dynamic a bit on their head saying yeah and i think that's very important for them as well yeah yeah, yeah. So why do you think young people solving problems when there are probably experts who have been researching and working on these issues is so important? Yeah, so um, a lot of the problems or uh, the challenges that the world faces today uh, impacts young people and affects young people. And um, it doesn't really make sense to have um, kind of old people uh, solving the issue for young people without them having uh, any say in it. So uh, young people bringing in their lived experiences, uh, their perspective, I think brings in a lot of um, uh, value and uh, kind of fresh ideas and actually lived experience to, to the conversation. And it seems like this is something that organizations and governments are trying to value more and more. And I guess, who are the typical people, like the young people that get involved uh, in this wild lab space, are they already like starting their own social enterprises or are they like particular university students or something like yeah, that? Yeah, actually it's a very, very diverse group of people. So it's uh, not necessarily kind of entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs. It's just uh, people who have, um, who have lived experience, who have uh, a different, uh, a kind of uh, diverse set of skills, uh, people who are passionate and who are willing to learn and contribute, people who care, basically, and who have, and who have skills. So um, it's, it's basically all sorts of young people. Some of them are um, uni students, some of them are um, young professionals, some of them are freelancers, social entrepreneurs, but they all kind of care about these issues and genuinely want to contribute to, to these uh, challenges and issues, yeah. Fantastic. And it's definitely come up a little a couple of times through the conversation so far, but I would love to finally introduce Steer North. I want to yeah. hear about So basically, I guess we'll start from the start. Um, what sure. is Steer North and why'd you start it? So Steer North is a health promotion charity and uh, our aim is to inspire and empower people to lead healthy, active and creative lives. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is through epic bike rides across Australia. So uh, we just got back a couple of weeks ago from a Melbourne to Sydney ride. And we started by doing a big Melbourne to Cairns ride over 45 days. And uh, the, yeah, the, the whole idea is to cycle from community to community and um, speak about the um, importance of healthy and active living and trying to engage with these uh, community members along the way. And we also raise funds for uh, medical research and patient care. So um, up to this date, uh, through the two rides, we've raised $140,000 for the Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Center. Um, so that's that's what uh, we've been kind of working on uh, over the past two years. And um, we're planning on doing more kind of purposeful adventures and um, and getting young people on board to do these rides. Yeah. I guess what led you to start that basically was there an origin story behind that or so the bike ride that i did in uh, in the us the texas to alaska uh, bike ride that i mentioned earlier uh, so it yeah, got me uh, really thinking about what i want to be doing uh, uh, if i want to uh, how i want to contribute basically and i i really got um inspired and I was really kind of positively impacted by this bike ride mm -hmm. uh, and I saw kind of the value that it, that it can have to people taking part in it but also to communities we go through and to people we uh, dedicate our ride for so um, from that 
we decided to do like a similar type of model, but also um, go from community to community to inspire and empower people to lead healthy and active lives as well. Uh, so, so it has kind of two aspects: the the program that the riders go through. Uh, to take part in the ride, so it's just young people, not necessarily cyclists or uh, or athletes or just young people who sometimes haven't cycled before, who go through the program. Uh, it's a leadership development and training program, and then do the ride. So there is the aspect, like the impact that um, Steer North has on the on the riders, but also the the impact that it has on the communities we we go through. And um, and yeah, I guess from from that first experience I had. Uh, I really wanted to provide kind of experiences like that to more people. So that's why we based the idea on a similar model. So you mentioned engaging with communities. What yeah. kind of things do you do with communities when you're in them? So we get in touch with the communities before we uh, we we get there. So we start planning what we're going to do with them uh, a few months before the ride. And we get in touch with councils, schools, community organizations, and basically... Um, we ask them what they want us to do or how they want us to help them achieve their goals. So it's not that we have like a set program that we go and just give to communities. It's more how we can help them achieve their goals because they're the experts in, in their own communities and we don't want to just dump health promotion programs on, uh, on, on them. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, some of the things we've done are like trivia nights uh, around the healthy an active living. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, kind of dinners where we uh, kind of informally engage with community members and chat with them, share our stories and hear their stories. Um, uh, we've done uh, kind of physical activity nights uh, with a gymnastics club actually where we had like all the kids from the community come and we had kind of physical activity stations where the kids go through and uh, and kind of experience different uh, uh, physical activities and um, and yes so, so like really different sorts of activities that uh, that inspire and empower people in the community and sometimes we the, the activities are targeted towards um, kids or young people sometimes it's just open to to anyone so yeah it, it depends uh, but it's always kind of we consult with the community on what they want us to do and then we plan from there and how receptive are these communities typically being because I can imagine they jump on board but have there ever been like yeah. maybe bad turnouts or like councils turn you away or anything like that? Actually, like local communities have been amazing. Just the generosity that they showed, uh, they would offer um, like council halls or like a school's gymnastics club for us to uh, like sleep and lay our sleeping bags. Sometimes they even opened their homes. So we stayed in people's houses in some of the communities. So just the support and the generosity uh, that they showed has been really really amazing and um, the, for the second ride we so the, the whole idea is to uh, go to these communities uh, on every ride and kind of grow our relationship with them mm -hmm. so on the next ride uh, they were kind of waiting for us and they had things ready for us um, and yeah, it was it was really really special and I think that's one of my favorite aspects of what we're doing just being able to have these connections with uh, people that um, maybe wouldn't have met or talked with um, mm -hmm. otherwise and um, and having like a group of people cycling to their community, uh, I feel like this really helped kind of spark interest and excitement in the community. Like there is this twenty group, uh, this uh, group of twenty riders just cycling uh, to our town, and uh, we better like, hear what they're saying. Like they're cycling here yeah, from Melbourne, <laughs> so so I think this this helped a lot with um, getting like interest in the community as well. Have anyone from the communities that you visited ever like joined up for subsequent what rides? Like, has that ever happened, or was it more during the Melbourne to Sydney ride? We had a couple of people in Yas, New South Wales, uh, express interest in joining, and we always have kind of people interested in signing up for for the next ride. So we've only done uh, two so far, mm -hmm. but the Melbourne to Sydney ride is going to be kind of we um, we're going to run it twice a year uh, now, so in April and September. So, uh, so yeah, the people we met on the last ride definitely expressed. We had a few people express interest in, in joining the next one in April. Absolutely. So, so that'll be great to like, cycle through a community with uh, one of the community members actually with us mm. on the ride. I was looking at your website sort of around Sea North, and 
You mentioned there was basically kind of like a free experience, but there was a fundraising component. How does that yeah. work in there? Yeah, so uh, the model that we have uh, now is, um, so riders sign up for, for one of our rides. They go through a leadership development and training program, and we have everything organized uh, for them. So accommodation, food, um, everything is provided, uh, and the whole experience is planned from training to the actual ride uh, and what they uh, need to do is fundraise so uh, every rider has raised three thousand five hundred dollars over the course of uh, about six months and we provide them with kind of resources and support for fundraising so a lot of them kind of organize events uh, sausage sizzles uh, kind of things like that to fundraise for um, t- towards their fundraising goal and this money uh, goes to uh, medical research and patient care. So this is how we were able to raise the $140,000 over the past two years. Mm. Yes, through riders fundraising. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sponsorships, on the other hand, kind of um, cover the cost of, of the ride okay. as well. Oh, yeah. So these are the two kind of main sources of, of revenue, the fundraising yeah. from the riders and, and sponsorships. And how did you come up with that figure of like $3,500? Was that... It was just like a good number. I was curious. Yeah, we we actually so we looked at different um, kind of rides and uh, what's kind of the rough uh, uh, fundraising requirement that um, they ask for. Uh, but it, it started with the Melbourne to Cairns ride. It was five thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, and then um, we just put it at 3,500 for the Melbourne to Sydney, which is actually quite low uh, relative, relatively to what the other rides are kind of putting as fundraising requirement. But oh, we yeah. wanted to, to make it a bit um, more accessible, especially that riders go and, and fundraise. So it's not money from like their own pocket mm. that, they're, that they're putting. Yeah. And donations are tax deductible as well. So because we're uh, a charity with DGR status. So this helps a lot with them fundraising as well yeah and another thing you mentioned was uh the ride dedications now what was that i think there was a video that i saw that come up yeah how does that work every morning on the ride uh, we do a ride dedication circle so uh we kind of get all together uh huddle and um kind of say who we're riding for for the day and this could be uh someone um we love someone who's been affected by cancer, someone who's impacted our lives, um, one of our family members, or even one of the riders. Like riders dedicate dedicate ride, rides for each other as well. So uh, it's just a nice way to kind of set the tone for the day and motivate everyone, uh, especially when you have a hundred kilometers uh, on that day or like a very difficult day with a lot of elevation. So I feel like this kind of sets the tone and motivates everyone. Where did that idea for ride dedications come from? Um, so we, we're doing this for a reason. So it's not just uh, kind of a, a bike ride that, uh, that we're, we're just going on for fun. So everyone has a reason why uh, they joined. So uh, some people wanted to join because uh, their father passed away from cancer, for example. So they wanted to dedicate this uh, for them. Um, and ev- everyone shares those reasons kind of during the ride dedication so uh so because we're doing it for for people for family um and there's a purpose behind why we're doing it uh it's not kind of i think people are doing just for them so ride dedications are a good way to kind of share these reasons and then make them um so these reasons become everyone's reason. So uh, one ride dedication becomes uh, everyone's ride dedication. So everyone rides for for everyone's ride dedications, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which is really, really uh, special. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that we're able to do that every morning. Yeah, exactly. I guess build a community amongst the riders as well. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. how long are the rides generally lasting for? Um, in terms of... Uh, like days or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the Melbourne to Cairns ride was forty five days, mm-hmm. uh, including five rest days. Okay. And the Melbourne to Sydney ride was uh, thirteen days, including one rest. Okay, day. cool. Yeah. So I guess yeah, <laughs> over that time, I guess you guys would come very close. Especially the forty five days, you'd always be seeing the same people every day, and always become like a family. So definitely, definitely. Um, and even on the Melbourne to Sydney ride, like the the relationships that. Um, 
you know, grow between the riders are, are really, really strong and everyone becomes like exactly like a family. Yeah, because you're cycling with these people, then uh, spending the afternoon together and exploring different parts of Australia together and then sharing kind of this special adventure that you probably won't share with anyone else. Yeah. And especially with like the 45 day trip to Cairns, um, was there any difficulties, I guess, with people, like any relationship breakdowns or anything like that? Because I'm curious because 45 days with the same people, I'm sure a few people might struggle with that almost. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, imagine you're ex- you're spending twenty four hours a day um, on on the road with the, first with the same people. Mm. Second, you're like this is a big physical challenge mm. as well. So you're under a lot of stress. So like physical stress, but also kind of mental stress. So so yeah, being in an environment like that, there are kind of things that happen here and there, like in any environment. But I guess this is. Like that was that was expected, so yeah, yeah nothing major, but okay. yeah. And how do you guys? Do, like, <laughs> so the answer is yes. <laughs> and how do you guys deal with those though, especially on the road? Like I'm sure it's um, do you have like sort of guidelines in place, or people trained to sort of make sure everyone's as comfortable as possible? Like how does that work? Yeah, so we have like a ride manual at the beginning where we communicate kind of the culture that we want and um, the principles that we want to kind of adopt. Uh, on the ride but uh, when like small things like that happen Mm -hmm. I think the best thing to do is to bring it back to why we're doing this and why we're actually involved in this and I think this makes everyone look at the bigger picture and not uh, kind of get caught up in in the details of uh, yeah of the day yeah (laughs) and I guess in terms of the organization organization itself steer north what were some of the challenges you faced while building the organization itself? Yeah, I guess before the first ride, uh, so myself and my partner, Jane, started the organization. So it was uh, both of us at the beginning. And um, I think the biggest challenge before we did the first ride was gaining some, gaining legitimacy and uh, showing people that we're actually doing a bike ride from Melbourne to Cairns and uh, we're actually well prepared for it. And we thought about everything and um we're ready to do it because up until we almost like went on the ride people were still unsure if this is gonna happen if we're serious about that Mm -hmm. so um so i think we tried a lot and and we we overcame that pretty quickly i think by kind of um doing things that would give us legitimacy so doing things very professionally, uh, having everything in place, having thought about, about everything. So I think we did that at the beginning. But after we had completed the Melbourne to Cairns ride, it was um, easier to like point at a successful ride that was accomplished. And then that made it easier for the Melbourne to Sydney ride. And now people know uh, that we know what we're doing and um, and this is what we do and we're capable of of doing that and because it's such a big kind of logistical uh piece as well to do a ride like that i think yeah this is where we had to get gain people's trust in this okay and is it still just yourself and your partner leading the organization or do you have more people on your team yeah so we do have a board of uh, directors uh but they're not involved on uh, a day-to-day basis so we meet uh, once a month or uh, once every two months discuss more like governance and strategy and like moving forward mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the organization yeah. uh, but in terms of the team that operates on a day-to-day basis it's mainly myself and James mm-hmm. but we also have uh, the riders who uh, take part in organizing the ride so uh, they take part in some of the elements of organizing the ride if they uh, want to and we have also two people uh, involved um, like a safety and uh, fitness expert uh, that we consult on you know, risk management and uh, and safety management and all of that. Um, and uh, we also have a mechanic that we uh, go to for uh, bike mechanical issues. So not, not from an organizational point of view, but more from uh, logistical and uh, cycling point of view. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess... Prior to actually starting Steer North, had you ever had similar experiences to building, I guess, a non-for-profit from the ground up, or was that first no. time? Yeah, that was the first thing we 
jumped into. And uh, okay, a lot of the times uh, you feel like you have to have like, everything in place before you start something or everything needs to be aligned and you have to like be across just literally everything. Everything has to be so strategic, so planned uh, before you make a move. But it it's not it's not the case. So uh, like with Steer North, we just we we were passionate about something. Uh, we wanted to make an impact. We wanted to contribute to uh, the community, and um, we just went for it. And we didn't know everything when we started. We didn't know most of the things, <laughs> and uh, we learned along the way. And I feel like that this is one of the biggest kind of lessons that that I learned is that. Like this actually works as long as you're not doing any harm, as long as you're um, kind of doing things intentionally and you're aware of what's happening, you you can learn along the way. And if you're gonna wait till everything's perfect and everything's aligned until like you tick all the boxes, then like we would have if we waited for that to happen, we would have never kind of done it. We would have never jumped into it because. Yeah, like the green lights are not going to be open mm. at the same time for you to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so I guess, no, we didn't have any experience. We just jumped into it and yeah. learned along the okay. way. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and I guess a bit of a common thing that's come up on our show quite often now. We've had a few people from the more social enterprise pay- yeah. space, had a few people from more charity. Mm. I guess still not more sort of situates itself in the charity side of town. Would you say that's sort of it or...? Yeah, that's, well, that's one thing that we're still kind of, um, so we're working on the communication uh, around that. Um, I would say we sit somewhere in between yeah. because um, we are a registered charity. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we have like deductible gift recipients. We can um, accept donations uh, and and all of those things associated with charities, but at the same time, we are providing a service, which are the purposeful cycling adventures that we are creating for people. So we are providing a service and we're getting kind of um, not paid for it, but uh, but yeah, so riders are, are fundraising for it. So there is a service we're providing and getting something uh, in return. And yeah, so I, I would say we're somewhere or somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a social enterprise could be kind of a not-for-profit or a for-profit. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting because I feel yeah. like every conversation we've had so far has always been like the either or, like you're either, you know, something like thank you and being that sort of yeah. social enterprise. So it's interesting to see that you're more seeing it as it can be a blend of both. Yeah, because a social enterprise is not like an official legal entity in, mm-hmm. in Australia. So you're either a not-for-profit or a for-profit company. Yeah. And then... Like being a social enterprise is um, like it's an organization that uses the the profit to do something good. I mean, at mm-hmm. least yeah, or that um, contributes to social change. So like a for it's a for purpose organization. Mm-hmm. So a for purpose organization can be a for profit or a not for profit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and basically what the not for profit means is that the profit is not distributed to uh, shareholders. Mm-hmm. So they're kept in the in a company and uh, invested into the company again so so yeah it's a bit uh, so I guess any any organization can be a social enterprise um, if they are for purpose what's it yeah. yeah okay cool oh, interesting because hmm. I guess yeah <laughs> we always have this preconception that like what a social enterprise is so thank you for yeah. breaking down that um, and what a stereotype is of it. Yeah. as well and yeah, yeah exactly. and yeah I'm still learning uh, about all of that as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess I want to touch a little bit more on, I guess, the problem of health um, that you, the yeah. Obscene Office sort of focused on. So, um, of course, we heard a little bit about what you're doing to the community work. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the typical sort of health issues that I guess the community are bringing up when you say want to visit their health? Like, what are, are there any common themes that have been coming up? Like, is it exercise? Is it awareness? Is it yeah, so the main um, kind of aspect of health that we focus on is physical activity. Yeah. So um, kind of empowering people to live uh, more active lives. Uh, and one of the main, I would say, so the first issue that comes to mind um, 
is people not being aware of the opportunities around them or of the resources around them to be physically active. Um, and I think that was one of the common things that we encountered in communities. So there are kind of different things that are happening, but whenever we had conversation with people, they were not aware of them. So I guess access to information plays a big part uh, when it comes to that, yeah. Okay. And um, more around sort of the research stuff. So you said that yeah. a lot of the proceeds from Sinoff are placed um, into sort of the uh, cancer research. Yeah. Um, what was the decision behind that? Like why cancer specifically? Was there a reason behind that? Or Yeah. So um, my partner's brother, uh, Mike, he uh, was undergoing treatment, uh, cancer treatment, while I was doing the Texas to Alaska bike ride. Mm -hmm. And I was dedicating this... Uh, this bike ride to him um, and this is a cause that affected uh, my family a lot and James's family a lot so we um, really want to contribute to kind of that uh, that cause with uh, the money that's going to to research mm -hmm. so um, so it wasn't actually until uh, Mike lost his battle to cancer that we decided to channel our energy into something positive and uh, the idea that we've been talking about for so long which was steer north and uh, the epic bike rides across australia uh, this is when we decided to bring it to life and to actually dedicate a lot of time to it um, and we actually so so this is why cancer research uh, so we think it's it, it's close to heart but i think it's also uh, very very important and we still need uh, to do a lot when it comes to that space uh, and cancer research and patient care as well so so not just research but uh, but the money is going to patient care as well and uh, we actually established a steer north phd scholarship with the money that we raised uh, at the university of melbourne so in, in partnership with the university of melbourne and the victorian comprehensive cancer center the vccc and uh they the, the scholarship's actually open at the moment so uh so we are looking for applications um, from kind of talented uh, medical researchers and uh, hopefully uh, every year we'll be establishing a scholarship. So this is something that's going to be ongoing and, and we hope to have kind of in 10 years, for example, mm -hmm. uh, kind of 10 uh, doctors in uh, cancer research and, and set them for, for life in a career in, in cancer research and hopefully impact that area uh, greatly. So, so that's kind of the vision when it comes to uh, the cancer research and patient care side. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have our first PhD uh, student from scholarship uh, in, in a month, I think. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So, so when did that program first start up? Has that only opened up recently? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, so after we, we raised the first $100,000, yeah. we established the Steer North uh, VCCC Cancer PhD Scholarship. Yeah. And it's open now. It's at, on the University of Melbourne website. Yeah. So anyone in that field can, can apply for it. Yeah, and it. whoever gets it will, uh, will be part of the uh, VCCC kind of research team. And they'll be working on... Uh, on cancer research and patient care. I guess, um, would yourself and James have any sort of impact on that this selection process? Or is it more just like, once they're chosen, you will eventually meet the yeah. PhD? I'm just curious how that would work. Yeah, yeah. So the selection uh, kind of committee is going to be uh, formed mainly of experts yeah, and uh, and researchers and the executive director of the VCCC mm -hmm. and people who know uh, what they're doing and that's fine <laughs> but we'll also be part of the selection committee so we'll be we'll be there kind of reviewing the applications as well but i think we'll trust the experts yeah. opinion <laughs> because we want we wanted to to make the most impact possible and i think they would know who who's going to make the most impact so so yeah this is when it comes to selecting the, the applicant yeah um i guess another question i just had sort of floating in the back of my mind so I guess the fundraising approach that you've yeah. got to take into um, the issue more specifically. Um, yeah, I guess what led you down that fundraising fundraising path? Because could I guess you could have almost gone a different way about it and maybe had it more like a lobbying, lobbying approach of the government saying, oh, increase um, research funds or things like that. So, yeah, why fundraising more grassroots rather than, say, building awareness around the government or anything like that? Yeah. 
That's a, that's a good question. So I guess what we did is bring our passion for cycling and physical activity and adventures and um, with bringing together with a cause that we're passionate about, which is health. And this came out. So uh, yeah, so it wasn't like we laid maybe all the options that we could have done. So it was, yeah. it was a very kind of um, like organic thing that happened. So we're passionate about this, about kind of purposeful adventures, and we want to provide also these experiences to young people and inspire them and empower them to go in their networks and in their communities and also do, um, do something good that will impact positively this, this cause or any other cause. So, so I think we value this element a lot. So bringing in people um, as part of what we're doing and empowering them as well. And that's why we went down that path. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I guess talking about that empowering, you said a lot of young people are, of course, on these rides. Yeah. Um, I guess generally speaking, what's some advice you would give to someone who, say, has that passion, has that spark, but doesn't know where to start maybe for, um, I guess, getting involved or maybe starting their own organization? I would say if someone has an idea uh, about an initiative or something that would contribute to, to social change, um, everyone wants to help out. So I think seeking support and finding that network that will get you there and that will support you no matter what, that is generally interested in your success. I think this is a key, um, a key part. Um, and I found this network in FIA, for example, but like asking for help is, and, and for support is, is key, I think. So just understanding that we don't have to do it alone. So we're not alone in this journey. And a lot of people also want to contribute and help us and, and do the same. So I, I would say that's one. And the second one, I think I already mentioned is to just go for go for something so make something happen uh, instead of waiting for everything to be aligned to to make it happen things are never going to be like perfectly aligned uh to to go forward with something so just making something happen and um seek support everyone wants to help out when it comes to these things yeah okay i guess um your writers so far have any of them sort of expressed interest in maybe wanting to start their own thing like have they ever asked you personally like oh mm -hmm. i had this idea like anything like that or is it more just focused on the ride at the time yeah there is a couple actually that as soon as you asked the question i uh i thought of uh, there is a couple last year who actually went on and did um not their own initiative but who um contributed or got involved in a big uh project uh, going to Peru and uh, kind of advocating for um, a project related to climate change over there. Oh. So so they went and got involved with that. And I'm not saying that they did that because of Steer North, yeah. but <laughs> but these are <laughs> but these are yeah the people that did something after Steer North. And there is a couple of people from the Melbourne Sydney ride this year mm -hmm. who have spoken with me about uh, ideas that they have about social enterprises so i got really excited uh when i was having these conversations with them yeah i guess we've touched a lot upon of on like you know the fundraising process for mm -hmm. cn north but I, what i'd be interested in is looking at how the rides affect riders and how it helps them develop i think the um, kind of the journey they go on getting ready for the ride is is really uh, impactful by itself um, and then going on the ride obviously but um, they're pushing themselves to do things that they've they don't know if they'll be able to do or they they've never done before so just committing to something um, and having the support of of a whole team having that community itself I think impacts the riders a lot um, and uh, they gain a lot of skills preparing for the ride so uh whether it's leadership skills or you know, like cycling skills or bike mechanic skills. So they're learning a lot of things, preparing for it. And you'd be surprised how many life lessons. So I cycled with them on the Melbourne to Cairns ride, and you'd be surprised how many life lessons would just like be learned on the ride. And I'm speaking for myself, and I know a lot of riders went through the 
same thing as well. So, uh, so I think they go through kind of a really interesting uh, journey and a journey that not many people go through. So just cycling across Australia, um, I think, yeah, it's, and we've heard it from a lot of riders saying that this really kind of impacted them and some of them saying that this is kind of the best thing they've done so far and they can't wait for kind of the next big thing that they're going to work towards. Were any of the uh, um, riders that came on brand new never touched a bike before or were they all sort of had an experience? Most of them. Oh, yeah, really? most of them haven't touched, well, not haven't touched the bike, but like, but like oh. went to uni on a bike or yeah, like yeah. Yeah, haven't actually cycled uh, seriously. Yeah, okay. uh, and yeah, most of them are like that. And I think that's one thing I really liked about, I really like about Steer North, which yeah. is we are not selective when it comes to like physical fitness or, or any of that. Mm -hmm. It's more, we're looking for people who are passionate and who are motivated and committed and anyone with kind of these uh, qualities will will be able to do the ride mm -hmm. uh, and we give them the training from like from like cycling 5k's to doing like multiple hundred kilometers uh, in a row so so we we give them everything but I think the key is to be motivated and committed to mm -hmm. To this so so yeah most people <laughs> haven't cycling and we give them a lot of uh, workshops as well when it comes to cycling safety bike mechanics uh, things that um, will help them with like being on the road for 45 days or 13 days yeah cool. wow. and I guess planning for like a 45 day journey like what are typically the stuff you guys are bringing like is it just a sleeping bag if you change your clothes like oh, I guess yeah. that really specific logistics around it has it yeah work? so uh, we have uh, support vehicles okay. uh, so vans and trailers attached to them so um, so we have a bike trailer where we can kind of put the bikes uh, and every rider has uh, a seat in the van and a support vehicle so in case for any reason it's raining too hard or there's a section of the road that is uh, not very safe we all jump in a support vehicle and we uh, drive until it's safe so in terms of safety i think having the support vehicles with us was one key thing that we really wanted to to happen uh, and in the trailer uh, or the van we have um, a bag each uh, where we have kind of just basic clothes and cycling clothes and, and gear and um, sleeping bags, sleeping mats, mm -hmm. and that's it. And we have, of course, like food and uh, uh, kind of bike repair stuff and um, things to cook with and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Well, we always come up to the end of the podcast. So... I guess before we sort of start wrapping up, um, is there anything, because I know we've covered heaps, but is there anything else you'd like to add to, I guess, anyone listening who's sort of in that space already or excited to give back? Is there anything else that we've missed or? Yeah, I think um, we've covered everything, but um, but yeah, I think you, you guys are a great example of how if you want to make something happen, if you want to contribute, you don't have to do something, something that you haven't, like thought of before or something that's like um yeah so I, I think i think you guys are an amazing example of how you can just contribute while you're at uni um you can bring people together and you can kind of make that bridge that uh, we were talking about previously <laughs> between opportunities and and people and it was yeah it was really great to to be here and and to meet you guys so uh awesome. i think yeah I think someone should make a podcast interviewing you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And I guess the final question I have before we'll finish wrapping up. Um, are there any books, films, media in general that you recommend for anyone to read or like anything that you'd swear by? Sure. Um, well, this is going to be very like... N not nerdy, but the lean, the lean, the lean startup for anyone who wants to start uh, social enterprise or just uh, a business in general. I think the lean startup is. I, I keep going back to it for some things uh, and some concepts and and tools. So that's um, a big one that I would recommend. Uh, also, a book that I read recently, but that 
I had heard a lot about previously, um, how to influence and influence people. It's a very, it's an old book. I think, uh, it was written 70 years ago, but it's still in print and so, still super popular. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, is great to, it's mostly common sense, yes. but it's just great to kind of understand people better, understand how to, uh, manage people, how, how people think, basically how to, how to understand people. Um, and I think it's great because it's based on a kind of historical evidence and psychological research. And it's, it's a really nice read. So this is, uh, it's, the author is Dale Carnegie. So I would highly recommend this one. Uh, and it's enjoyable. It's super enjoyable. I think, uh, yeah, I wish I had read it before. We started Steer North. It would have helped. Yeah, it would have helped a lot because people management is a big thing, especially in what we're doing. So, so yeah, managing people I think was the most challenging thing throughout the whole thing. I'm going back to your question of the challenging part. <laughs> I miss that. Managing people is is a very challenging thing because people are unpredictable. Yeah, we're humans and they're unpredictable. So this is this. Yeah. yeah. So so this book. This book is really good. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you for taking your time out for appearing yeah, on the show. No and we really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to our sixth episode from Imagine. And once again, that was Reaching the Myth. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about Rita's work with Steer North or want to join in for one of the rides, please definitely check out their website at steernorth.org.au. And if you really did enjoy the show, please, please leave us a review on iTunes because it really does help us grow and get these amazing people's stories out to the rest of the world. And if you can't wait for more episodes, well then episode 7 will be live across all our channels in two weeks' time on Sunday. So that will be on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast content. And you can also keep up to date with all the content that we're pushing out on our social media. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all under the handle of Project Lantern underscore, that being all one word. Or of course you can check out our website, which is projectlantern.com.au. Now if you have any feedback for us, or just want to reach out and say hey, you can contact us at any time on our social media, or via email at hello at projectlantern.com.au. And again, we're so happy to have you on this journey in creating a global launchpad for youth-led social impact. Until next time, stay awesome.